0: The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Relive a boy's thrilling journey across America in J. Larry Simpson, the first new book, No Excuses, The True Life Adventures of a Little Trailer Boy. I'm talking with Larry right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Larry, thank you for coming here and talking with me tonight.
1: It's my privilege. Thank you.
0: Sounds like quite a journey that this boy went on, so that's the basis of this book.
1: That is. That's the basis of the book entirely. The story is mine. I'm the one to tell it.
0: And what kinds of things are encountered along the way?
1: First of all, is uh, going to new places from the time I was six years old. Uh, we moved 24 different times to 10 states. I went to 15 different schools. So I finished the first grade in Memphis, Tennessee, and then we hit the road. Dad was a diesel mechanic and a construction work, but just going to a new school, dealing with new kids, uh, having a new teacher. I only went to a whole year of school four times. The rest of the time we moved and uh, went to as many three different schools in a year. <laughs> so that was always having to make new friends, getting used to a new teacher, that was always a challenge, but you meet different people. You got to stand up for yourself. You have to either you shrink or my determination was to stand up and be myself. I wasn't afraid to do that, and so everywhere I went, I made sure that I made a name for myself. Those kinds of things, but uh, having uh, girlfriends that you have to leave, guys that you learn to enjoy and and have as friends always having to change friends and change teachers and go to different states where they're studying different things. So it's just a lot of that kind of stuff. But I was adventurous. Whatever there was to do, I'd do it even from a young age, like jumping across a sewage ditch. And back in those days, a few places still had open sewage ditches. I jumped a sewage ditch and didn't make it. <laughs> Landed right into it. Oh, no! So, you know, stuff like that. Getting into sports, competing, different places, not able to follow through with different sports that you start. I entered into several different types of sports, cross-country, track, football, basketball. Ended up being starters in both and had the best time in the state of Indiana in two miles in 1960. You know, just a new challenge all the time.
0: So what gave you the idea to sit down and write this book at this point in time?
1: I felt like it was. I felt like my story needs to be heard. I think it's uh, motivational. It's inspirational. It challenges people. It's enjoyable. It's common speech of that day and time. And I just believe that it was that my story uh, needs to be told. And I got to the point in life when I started the book that it was just time to get it done. I loved my life. was thankful for my life. I had a great family. A great father. A great mother three siblings, but my extended family was wonderful to me. And so my life was filled with love and acceptance and confidence and uh, an ethic that I was going to succeed and that there's no excuses. just, Just because I was a new kid in school didn't give me an excuse to fail. And so that's what I learned, no excuses, and that's why I wrote the book.
0: Well, if you'd like to relive this boy's adventure across America in the 1950s, then check this out. It's called No Excuses, The True Life Adventures of a Little Trailer Boy by J. Larry Simpson the first published by Fulton Books. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you do your book shopping. Well, Larry, thank you for talking with me tonight. I had a great time finding out about you and this book.
1: Well, thank you for allowing me to do it. I appreciate it a lot and appreciate the way you handled it.
0: In her new book, Lovely Vines, Author Tondria Latrice tells the story of innocence lost and hustling to get by. I'm joined by Tondria right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Tondria, thank you for joining me tonight.
2: You're welcome.
0: (laughs) So Lovely Vines looks like it's a very interesting, involved story. Can you tell me about it?
2: It's about young women that is lost and money is controlling them right now. Eventually, they're going to get into trouble, and it's just about people putting money first and not thinking about family and friends and stuff like that and relationships.
0: It seems something that's sadly happening more and more, and we see around mm-hmm. us. So what inspired you to write this?
2: I was going through something in my life at the time, and I was in pain, and I didn't know what to do. So I was like, what should I do? And it was just something was like, write a book. So I picked up the pencil and paper and started writing a book. It just came out like that.
0: Have you written before, or is this your first shot at it? I used to go to church,
2: <laughs> used to. And I used to write church songs, but I never wrote a book. So this is like my first book I have completed.
0: Oh, wow, congratulations. Uh, writing you. prose, writing a book is a lot different mm-hmm. than songwriting. Was that a challenge?
2: Yeah, it was. It was harder. <laughs>
0: A lot of people have difficulty editing their own words. You're second-guessing yourself a lot of times. Was that happening to you?
2: Yeah, it was a whole lot because it took me like two to three years to finish it.
0: Was there anything in particular, maybe a person or a circumstance, something that kept you encouraged along the way?
2: My mom. She told me to finish it, so I finished it for her.
0: And now that you've published your first book, which is a huge milestone, how does it feel knowing that this story is out there for the world?
2: First, I was scared. <laughs> yeah. But the feedback I'm getting is kind of good, so I'm happy. I'm happy.
0: Is that encouraging you to continue writing?
2: Yes, it is. I started part two, and I've got other titles out. I mean, started, but I haven't finished them. So yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue.
0: So it sounds like you found writing to be a very therapeutic process for yourself yeah. and things that you're working through.
2: Mm-hmm. It does help a lot. It helps.
0: What do you do? Do you get stuck when you're writing? Get stuck the words aren't flowing anymore? You can't get out on the page really what you mean? Do you deal with that?
2: Yeah, I do. (laughs) A lot.
0: (laughs) How do you get out of that?
2: I ask questions. I have people I ask questions and see where where their input is at and go from there and add my own little twist to it.
0: Now, if an aspiring author were to come to you and say, wow, you've written your first book. It's out there. How do I do the same thing? What advice would you give me? What would you tell them?
2: I would say just get your tablet, laptop, pencil and paper, and just start writing down stuff and writing down names and making characters up. And no matter what nobody say or what they think, just keep going. And eventually it'll flow out and just start putting all your things together and just go at it. Drink a cup of coffee. Get the caffeine in you. (laughs) <laughs>
0: coffee is important for writers. That's, that should be number one on the list of advice. Get lots of coffee. <laughs> Thank you, Tondria, for putting yourself out there. It takes so much courage, and it's going to show in this book. It's called Lovely Vines by Tondria Latrice, published by Fulton Books. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else that you shop for books. Well, Tondria, thank you so much for joining me tonight. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you, and you're welcome. Why Jesus Returned is the new book by Peter Walton, and it's out now, published by Christian Faith Publishing. I have Peter right now with me here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you for talking with me tonight.
3: Thank you very much. Can
0: you tell me about Why Jesus Returned?
3: Yes. It was based on a uh, scripture, matthew twelve forty. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So what this book is saying is that during those three days, Jesus was in the heart of the earth, bombarded with images from Satan and his demons, showing future human events, and telling him, then you you know, don't go back to earth, they're not worth it. And that was countered by angels showing him future events, saying, yes, they are worth it, go back. So that's what the basis of the book is.
0: How did the idea for writing this come about?
3: I think, uh, you know, uh, God, the Great I Am had a lot to do with it. But for me, it was a little bit of a progression. I had a group in a uh, church that we belong to praising the Lord in song. And that went very well. And I also have a lot of current Christian lyrics and also Amazing Grace lyrics in this book. But then I was working on a, another Christian course that I was, wanted to lead at church, and I was calling it Heaven or Hell, Your Choice. And I started to do a lot of reading about near-death experiences and Colton Burpo, the, the little boy, the three-year-old who went to heaven in Nebraska. And I started getting into a lot of that. And then I've always taken a lot of notes. Whenever I see movies, whenever I read, the church that we were in had an unbelievable library. So I had a, a lot of resources there. And then I just came to the view, or God helped me come to the view of, put this together in a book, try to combine all these miscellaneous information that i had. So the book is chronological. It's basically light versus darkness. And so, for example, like one of the first chapters, it's called Five Star Hatred. A man called John Wycliffe was one of the first to begin to convert the Latin Bible into English. The Catholic Church was so much against it that 44 years after he died, this was in the 1400s. 44 years after, the Pope ordered his bones be exhumed and burned, I mean, this was the hatred that was going on. And William Tisdale is another one. In the 1500s, he continued that process, and he actually got a book. He converted it from Latin to English. And he was burnt at the stake, and the last thing he said was, Lord, open the eyes of the King of England. And around that time, Henry VIII ordered all 20,000 churches in England to have the Bible that William Tyndale had created. So those are the types of things that I, you know, a lot of history, I try to emphasize the light versus the darkness.
0: Is this the first time you've been published or the first time you've written a book? Yes. Congratulations, getting your first book out there in stores, on shelves for people to read. How does it feel to get your first book out there?
3: It's fantastic, you know. It's it's when you when you have an idea and you can actually see it physically, uh, you know, that's very unusual. It's a wonderful feeling. It's an absolutely wonderful feeling. But I also want to. I try to keep my ego, you know, in line. One of my main suggestions is don't show too much to your close relatives and friends, <laughs> because you just, you know, for whatever reason, you're not. You're gonna be disappointed. You're gonna have too much expectation. Uh, that's what I found, anyhow. <laughs>
0: Reminds me of what Jesus said, you yeah. A prophet has no honor in his hometown.
3: (laughs) Right, right, that's exactly it.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Peter, for putting so much hard work into this. The book is Why Jesus Returned by Peter Walton, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, iTunes, and everywhere else you buy your books. Well, Peter, again, thank you for coming on the show with me. It was great speaking with you tonight.
3: Thank you so much. God bless you and your family. And uh, thanks again for this opportunity.
0: Author Margaret Randolph emphasizes the importance of teaching money management skills to children in her new book, Tracking Your Expenses. I'm talking with Margaret right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Margaret, thank you for being here with me tonight. Thank you. You're welcome. So, can you tell me about tracking your expenses?
4: Yes, it's a yearly budget workbook with unique fill-in charts for your yearly and monthly expenses, January through December, such as rent, electric, food, and additional expenses as needed. It teaches paying these essential expenses, provides you a secure place to live, because we must pay no matter where we live. And it's about teaching four key skills, which are prioritizing your regular yearly expenses, listing them in order of essential needs by cutting back, giving back, or doing without some life essentials, and managing outstanding previous-present expenses unpaid over three months by checking on the columns that you paid on them or you paid them off, and organizing the monthly expenses, listing order of importance, and making an additional payments in the present month. When we're basically seeing your monthly balance in advance at three to six months, you may be able to pay off that balance and save that amount off the rest of the year. This is called borrowing from yourself. That's what I call it. And budgeting your income. And this is expenses by weekly order, state order, excuse me, and subtracting the budget amount from net amount while showing extra money left over for that month. And overall, it comes with 13 charts. Those are four of the charts. And these nine additional charts are miscellaneous, creditors, personal information, birthdays, special cages, merchandise, final payoff, credit card information, notes section, and a gold section. And that's the book.
0: Well, I think it's great you're looking to teach these concepts young. What age range were you looking at when writing this?
4: Actually. It was. I would think of when they start working. Temp, uh, excuse me. Their, their uh, summer jobs, which I started when I was around 14 years old, but I guess maybe a little later now. So like uh, middle school, like ninth grade, when they get a part-time job. On to college students, high school, excuse me, high school, college students. At the time, I really feel that is my target market would be for a prospective first-time home buyers and current homeowners and renters because being adults. We have to learn ourselves before we can teach our children. So that is something I would like for young adults and high schoolers to learn along the way from their parents.
0: Absolutely. They need somebody to look to to model this behavior. They can't just have somebody saying, do this, do that, and then not be showing it to them themselves. That's very important.
4: Yes, because if if the parents don't know, how can we teach our children something we don't know? And that's what my life was about.
0: What gave you the inspiration to write this book?
4: Well, actually, from my personal my personal life, being a uh, single parent on welfare, and that taught me that a small amount of income we could not survive off of.
0: Is this the first time you've written a book, or the first time you've been published?
4: No, actually, my first book was, which is an update from this book here, and and that was approximately uh, in two thousand and seven. So this book here is an updated version of that previous book, my first book.
0: So are you looking to continue writing? Are you looking to get published more?
4: Yes. I I, I have an additional book that's in progress that has more added features to the book. Hopefully I'll get that out later this year, if not next
0: year. This is called Tracking Your Expenses by Margaret Randolph. Published by Fulton Books, you can get it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else that you shop for your books. Well, Margaret, thank you for coming on the show with me tonight. It was great speaking with you and had a great time talking about the book. Thank you. Same here. I appreciate talking with you also. Author Dr. James Simmons describes his new book of poetry, Jump, as a fresh approach to life and intimacy. James is joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. James, thank you for being here with me tonight. Thank you. Can you tell me about this book of poetry, Jump?
5: Well, um, Jump is a book of poetry that I wrote over a course of about five years. Basically, what it involves is everything from race to female equality to love, hate, just kind of, uh, it's, it's quite a, a variety in diaspora subjects.
0: Was there anything in particular that inspired you or gave you the idea to get the book published?
5: A lot of my friends who kind of read some of my poetry said they, they really liked it and that I should look into getting it published just because of so many subject areas that it touched on.
0: Is this the first time
5: you've been published? No, it's actually the second time. I actually published a book, I think, about 10 years ago. It was called "Grandmama and Us, and that was just kind of around some personal life
0: experiences. Was that poetry as well? Yes. Now, having gone through this publishing process a couple times, it's a trying process a lot of times. How was it for you getting things edited down and cover selection, things like that?
5: You know, it was actually pretty smooth. The only issue that I had was my time being a physician. I had to kind of do that, plus continue my regular job. That was a little difficult as far as time, but as far as working with this company, the company that I work with, it was actually a pretty smooth process.
0: Do you have any advice for authors that are looking to do the same thing? They want to write their first book maybe and, and get it out there?
5: Well, I would say basically believe in yourself. Write the book, put in the thing that you want to put in. that's going to make the best book. And then once you do that, uh, you know, allow some individuals that you know, your family or friends to read through it and take some suggestions. And then once you do that, hey, submit it. But The biggest thing is believe in yourself and that whatever you want to submit is worth something. And that's all it takes.
0: You've said your poetry and jump covers a wide spectrum of issues. So did you have a sort of target readership in mind? It was written
5: to kind of to be able to be read by everyone. There's something in there for everyone, from every race, every sex, every sexual orientation. There's something from everyone. I mean, there's something that deals with female rights. There's something that talks about racial equality. There are things that are talking about social equality. There are things that talk about the feelings of mental health, as well as things that deal with gay and lesbian rights. So there are just multiple subjects in there.
0: When you write your poetry, do you have a particular style? that you stick to or do you explore around? For instance, do you do mainly a freestyle form of poetry or something that's more of a traditional style?
5: I actually, I jump around. My poetic muses or my heroes, I would say, range from everyone from Emily Dickinson to Nikki Giovanni to uh, Langston Hughes, Wadsworth. I mean, I love everybody. Milton with Paradise Lost. So I like, I mean, there's a little bit of everything mixed in, just depends on what day, who I've read, where I've been.
0: So the, the styles vary greatly. Well, the book is called Jump, so it makes sense that you jump around in styles a little bit.
5: It was based on jump, actually, because it was based on having the faith to be able to jump to whatever you want to do and follow your dreams. And so if you look at the, the title of the, the, the opening page of the book, there's an empty nest, and the, so that nest represents when a bird, a little bird, jumps from a nest. So if a, if a little bird who knows
0: nothing can jump for their first flight, then we should not be afraid to jump into follow our dreams. Thank you for putting out this bit of inspiration and sharing your poetry with the world. Again, this is called Jump by Dr. James Simmons, published by Fulton Books. You can find it on Amazon at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes and Google Play, and pretty much everywhere else you shop for your books. James, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had a great time talking with you. Thank you. Author John Dicio decotis writes about the significance of the contribution of immigrants in the United States in his new book, Dicio Comes to America. John is joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. John, thanks for talking with me tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So Dicio Comes to America, is this an autobiographical book? This is a book about my fraternal grandfather who
6: emigrated to the United States at the turn of the century. And what gave you the idea to
0: write his story?
6: Well, I have grandchildren now, and one of them is named Decio after my grandfather. And I thought it would be important for my grandchildren to know about their heritage and to know about their ancestors and to be proud of what their ancestors have contributed to our country.
0: So what kind of journey did he go on? Can you give me an idea for his life and what happened?
6: Well, he started off in Pani. It's a small hill village in East Central Italy, not far from the Adriatic Sea. And it was kind of poor at that time, but things got kind of tough. So he had an opportunity to come to the United States and settle in Utica, New York. And it was full of immigrants from all over the world who were working in the factories. So DCL had the dream that the streets were paved with gold and that everything was going to be great in the United States. So when he got here, he ended up living in a cold water flat with sharing the bathroom with other people. And they did change the spelling of his name because when he went through our asylum, they really couldn't understand him. And they wrote down what they thought they heard. He joined the church and the church was dealt by italian immigrants and through the church he met his wife angela coiro and the three children all graduated high school unlike angela and isio donald and alfonso the two sons served in world war ii like most of the immigrants who were either first generation or naturalized what whereas their sister marianne Held down the home front, like many women at the time, and he was able to purchase a house which was reaching part of the American dream by being homeowners. He was so proud to be able to vote in the elections, and he just couldn't believe the amount of food in the stores and how many supermarkets there were, and what kind of opportunities there there were It's mostly about the successes and the hard work and the contributions of of the various immigrants no matter how they get her, or no matter where they come from.
0: This book is "Dicio Comes to America by John Decio Dakotas, published by Fulton Books. You can buy it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for your reading material. Well, John, thanks again for joining me here tonight. I had a great time chatting with you. Well, you too. Thanks so much for calling, and I appreciate the opportunity. How a Willow Tree Walks is the new heartfelt children's book by Evan Westbrook and it's out in stores now published by Fulton Books. I'm talking with Evan right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Evan, thank you for being here with me tonight. Well, thanks so much for having me. Can you tell me about How a Willow Tree Walks? I love the title. It's really intriguing.
7: It's just a a short poem that I wrote and it's about... To, well, the first line of the poem reads A Tale of Two Brothers Who Learned How to Walk. So it's kind of a story about two companions that overcome a couple struggles and learn how to walk in a situation where they normally wouldn't be able to.
0: What gave you the idea or the inspiration to write it?
7: Well, actually, I just sat down one morning to write a poem, and I, I do that a lot. I've been writing poetry since I was about 19. So that's about 10 years. I sat down to write a poem one morning, and that poem came out, and I immediately tell that it was distinctly better than anything i had done before and it really just wrote itself you know i started with the first line and then moved on to the second line and then within 30 or 40 minutes i had the poem
0: are there things you've experienced throughout your life that went into this poem you know it,
7: it that's that's really tough to say i honestly would have to say no you know i mean I, i've had my my fair of struggles and of learning how to do things but it was really just more of a of a be yourself kind of a poem it's rooted in some just very I think, relatable and understandable concepts that I think everybody understands on some level. And that is to just be yourself and to allow your own truth to kind of bloom into existence. And through that, you find
0: your own way forward. That's a great message, especially when children hear it, when you send that to them young. About what age range would you say would enjoy this the most? Between
7: four to eight and I actually think adults like the poem too. I um, do it as a form of live performance, and I really think that the poem itself resonates with everyone. I really have seen some people get genuinely moved by the by the words and the cadence, and it has a very uh, whimsical kind of a tone to it. And I, I think I think it really actually appeals to everyone, uh, which is nice because I, I think kids would enjoy it even as they grew older. I think they would still like the poem.
0: And parents will really appreciate that as well. We like to enjoy the books as much as our kids do. And with some, it's easier than others. And this sounds like it'd be an easy one.
7: Yeah, especially if, you, if the kid does like it and if you're going to be reading it two or three times a night sometimes, which I, I have some friends whose kids are asking to read the book over and over again. So I feel really good about that.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. Have you been published before? No,
7: no. This is my first publication or published work.
0: Congratulations! That's a huge deal. How's it feel now? You're a published author.
7: It feels great. It feels like a genuine accomplishment. One works really hard in their lives to create something that matters, and you know, even if I saw no financial success or any anything like that out of publishing the book, I, it's really something I feel I can point to in my life and say that I, I accomplished something and I created something that was good and that people appreciated, and uh, that will be a lo- be around you know long after I'm gone.
0: Is there more ahead of you? Are you thinking about publishing again?
7: Yes. I mean, I actually have, you know, somewhere around 3,000 poems that I've written since I was 19. Wow. And ever since I wrote that one that I've published, it has completely transformed the style in which I write to this whimsical storybook type writing that I really enjoy. I feel it's a fun form of poetry. It's a little bit less personal or cryptic than some adult poetry. And I really enjoy it. And I now have. Maybe 100, maybe even 200 that are in that kind of a style. And I hope to publish more self-contained children's books and even maybe collections of poetry. And I really hope to do a lot with it.
0: It's called How a Willow Tree Walks by Evan Westbrook, published by Fulton Books. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for books. Well, Evan, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had a great time talking with you.
7: Thank you so much. This was great. I'm so excited. I hope to talk to you again soon with my next book.
0: I'm talking with author Max Terran here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. His new book teaches families some very important concepts. Max, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here.
8: Thank you, Corey. Now,
0: we were talking before the show, and I said, Max, you know, Spanish is not one of my strong points. And your book is primarily Spanish. So, first of all, could you tell us what your book is called and then tell us a little bit about it?
8: Yes, sir. Gladly. The book is called Como Procrear Una Familia Sana. And this book is about uh, mainly about family. You know, I tell the audience, I tell people that this is not a religious book, although I'm a pastor and author. It's basically about how to procreate a sane family. Literally, that's what it means, you know, Como una Familia Sana.
0: What gave you the idea to write this?
8: The idea came in three dreams. One dream was in, back in 1995. I was dreaming that I was uh, traveling all over the world. And at the end, I exit like in a beach. And I look back, and I can see all the ocean. And I was thinking to myself, I said, what, what, what is this about? Well, I was asking God, what was this about? This was back in 95, year 2000, I dream again, the same dream with the exception that this uh, this time when I was about to exit at the shore, I was hearing a lot of noise in my back. So I turned around and I saw a bunch of salmon coming out of the ocean with the word, help, help, help. And I said, Lord, what is this about? 16 years forward, back in 2016, this dream actually was about the book. So, God was asking me, so to speak, to put this uh, writing in a book or this um, How to Procreate a Setting Family in This World. That's more or less the story about the book.
0: Wow, that's a great story. So, this is aimed mostly towards then Spanish speaking families.
8: Yes, sir. And actually, I'm fixing to get my editor. To, uh, to translate it in English, and I'm going to ask a Christian Faith Publishing Company to help me do the book in the English version. It's mainly for everybody, mainly for the whole wide world, and it would be probably in, uh, in several languages.
0: Is this the first time you've been published or written anything?
8: Yes, this is the first time. I never thought I was going to be an author, but I think this is the will of God, you know, and this is my calling, if you will.
0: What's it feel like now that you're a published author and your physical books are out there on people's shelves?
8: I really feel fantastic about the idea of being an author. And even my sisters and my brothers are congratulating me already and said, man, it's a privilege to have a sibling that is an author. That makes me feel good. But the most important thing really is to take the information out there to the people.
0: Mm. Yeah. And thank you for Relaying such an important message to families, you know, it seems like families, the fabric seems to be just getting looser and looser as time goes on. So I think this is a really important message. Yes, sir. Can you tell our audience the title one more time?
8: My book is called Como Procrear Una Familia Sana. That's in Spanish. In English, it's going to be how to procreate a sane family, a sane family.
0: Wonderful. This is published by Christian Faith Publishing, and you can find it on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and pretty much everywhere else you buy your books. Well, Max, again, thanks for joining me here tonight. I had a great time talking with you.
8: Thank you very much.
0: Seven Element Life Force Healing is the new book out by Dr. Harry Elia, and it's published by Fulton Books. I'm talking with Harry right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Harry, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you. Can you tell me about Seven Element Life Force Healing?
9: Well, the book is a book about life force. And life force is the intelligent energy behind your life, your, your, fo- your function, and your being. If I had to explain it in a way that you can understand it, life force is like, we'll take an example of a car. A car is a sophisticated piece of material, it's a sophisticated piece of metal. A car can do lots of things. It can diagnose itself. It can change gears. It can do all kinds of things. But unless you are in the car and running it, it is nothing. It's just a lifeless hunk. Well, the car is the physical body and you are the life force. There's an underlying intelligent energy behind all life. And that is what life force is. Another example is take a computer. The computer needs the hardware to function. If the hardware is broken, it can't function. But it's the software that makes the computer valuable. The software would be the life force. So there's an underlying energy behind all life. And Taoists, who are Chinese philosophers from about 5,000 years ago, thought about this energy all the time. They called it Qi, and they, called, they, they had ways to, to maximize the energy, to circulate the energy, to improve the energy. And that's the crux of the book, is working with talking about life force and working with your life force to improve your health.
0: It's really interesting. How did the idea to write this come about?
9: Well, I started writing. I'm a chiropractor and a healer. I started writing things for my patients, writing up stuff about sugar and things like that. And as I wrote more and more, I just started, the book kind of came to me. I never really started out to develop a book, but the the idea came about, the idea of Seven Elements came about 16 years ago, and the book took about 12 years to compile.
0: Is this your first experience in publishing? Yes. Oh, congratulations on that first book. It's out there in stores now. It must feel good. What are your feelings? It feels really good. I was a little overwhelmed
9: when I saw the book for the first time. So it's been a long haul. It's been a lot of work,
0: and um, it's gratifying just to see it in print. Wow. So over those 12 years of hard work, have you learned anything that you could offer as advice to aspiring authors?
9: My advice to to anybody who wants to write a book or anybody who wants to uh, get their information down on paper is to write your truth and it will birth a new reality for you.
0: That's great advice. Did you ever get stuck for ideas, get stuck for the next word to put on the page? And then if you did, how'd you get through it?
9: I don't think I ever got stuck. I think it was more of trying how to explain my ideas to people that they could grasp it. That was more of the issue rather than getting stuck in the time. I think I got stuck more in editing the book than anything
0: else. Uh, yeah, Was that a difficult process, having to edit your own words?
9: Yeah, I, I'm not a computer guy. The computers are not my thing, so I had a lot of help in doing it, and, and that was the, the confusing part about it. But other than that, the journey has been long, but it's been fruitful.
0: That's fantastic. It is certainly important to have other people on your side supporting you, reading it through, helping you get through that whole process, because it's just too much for one guy to take on himself. It is. It is a little undaunting when you take on a project like this. Are you continuing? Do you plan on pursuing more publishing in the future?
9: Right now, I'm not, I don't have anything in the, in the, in the hopper for writing more, more books, but if the, if the thought comes through me, I will,
0: I will write it do you have any final words that you'd like our listeners to know about seven element life force healing?
9: The only thing that I'd like people to know to do is to start to look at themselves differently, to start to look into themselves as an energy being as opposed to a physical being. You are a
0: physical being, but you're also the most important part of you with your life force and your energy. It is seven element life force healing by Dr. Harry Elia. Published by Fulton Books, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for your books. Oh, well, Harry, thanks again for joining me here tonight. I had a great time chatting with you. You're very welcome. Thank you. A Dutch boy witnesses the horrors of World War II and strives for a better life in the new book by William T. Walraven titled The Scarred Oak. I'm talking with William right here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. William, thank you for being here with me tonight. You're welcome. Can you tell me about the Scarred Oak?
10: While I was a very young man and my late teens, three things happened at the same time. My girlfriend died. I was in a close-in the coal cave in the coal mines at 3,600 deep for four days. And my friend Nico was uh, my lifelong friend at that time, died also in the coal mine. So I was in a very, very down mood. And this one time, I'm going into the woods because we live right on the German border. And on the other side of the border is where the Black Forest Stars. And as a kid, I always played in there. So. But this, this Saturday afternoon, I went into this uh, into the woods, and I sat on a tree, and I think I was bawling my heart. And then uh, I looked, and somehow there was a clearing, and in that clearing was this huge oak tree. I must have seen it all my life, but it never was anything. And so it seemed like I was kind of crazy. It seems like it it spread its bottom, the, the last uh, bottom branches, or this, if it were arms. And so I walked through it, and while I was there, I actually had the feeling of it would hold me. So I'm still crying, and when I look up, I see all over scars. And that changed my life because I look in the tree as if it was me, and only what, what happened to me was branches broken off. So I was still that tree, just like, he, like that tree was. And that changed my life.
0: So this book is autobiographical.
10: Uh, yes, but originally I wrote it sections 40 years ago. I wanted to leave something for my great, great, great children to find out what kind of a guy was that, what came from Holland. You know, many years ago. And so when I wrote the sections, one time I wrote something when I was 15, another time when I was 40. And so I wrote it in autobiography. And when they wanted to put it as a book together, and I was reading through it, and I saw I, me, I, me, and it was pretty boring to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I changed my name and all the names in the book. So it's easier to write, for me at least, easier to write about him than about me.
0: <laughs> so have you written a book before? Have you been published before at all?
10: No, not at all. Not at all. Actually, I was never planning to write a book until some friends of mine and for sure my girlfriend says, why don't you write a book? And actually, they pushed me kind of every <laughs> time we saw each other. When do you start on your book? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so finally, it took me another 10 years and finally I did it. Is a quite interesting book. Even when I read it myself, I sometimes think, was that me? <laughs> so I think it will be interesting for people who read it and see what happened during the time of the war, time and living in a small village and seeing the Germans, and then later on seeing for the first time the Americans. And I thought they were very nice. They had chewing gum and all that kind of stuff. That was for me. Oh, I'm going to America.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're looking at some really important eras of history here from a first-hand account. The book is called The Scarred Oak by William T. Walraven, published by Fulton Books. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for your books. Well, William, thank you for talking with me tonight. I had a fantastic time chatting with you.
10: Uh, Thank you very much.
0: Author David McDonald joins me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and he's putting a new spin on the classic tale of Little Red Hen in his new book, Little Red Hen Goes to Washington. David, thank you for being here with me today. I'm excited to be talking with you. Thanks for having me. Can you tell me about the story of Little Red Hen and what you've done here in the book?
11: Well, as a family physician of 37 years, I was frustrated with the roadblocks to affordable healthcare. And so in this book, I try to go down the middle of the road and educate people on why those roadblocks are there and how we could undo some of them so that we have real affordable care. And a lot of people think that Obamacare is good and while there are some people that have benefited from it, there's a devastating impact on the taxpayers. And so I just try to highlight that in this book and give suggestions on how Democrats and Republicans can work together instead of fighting each other.
0: And this is a book you've also aimed for children to help get that message started with them. So how difficult was it to take a concept like this, like health care, and make it palatable for kids?
11: Well, I did my best to bring it down to about the fifth grade level of education and included questions at the end to talk about and, and, and prompt conversation. And the main focus is to teach people, children, the community, the difference between capitalism, socialism, and free market. And right now, a lot of people are bantering the words about capitalism and socialism, and they don't really understand that socialism has not worked anywhere in the country. And capitalism, if it's in the hands of greedy individuals, can be tough. But if we flame the fires of free market, then you can have a stable society that rewards those that work hard, has enough to take care of those that have real needs, and it's sustainable.
0: But how long were you working on this?
11: Well, it's been years. I I first had my eyes open to the fallacies of single-payer system in the 1980s and 90s. And so I've actually worked at a variety of levels. At insurance levels, I actually helped start an insurance company at government levels, at private practice. So I've been working on it at least 20 or 25
0: years. Are you looking to continue, get published more?
11: I am. I actually have another book that's in the pipeline. The artwork's done, Little Red Hen and Hospital Billing. And not too far behind it, Little Red Hen and the COVID Mystery. And so, yes, there'll be a whole Little Red Hen series.
0: That's great. You're taking this timeless tale. And you're making it current for current issues and all in the name of education, which is so important.
11: Well, you know, and Little Red Hen was so popular because the reality is people want the solution, but they don't want to put the work in. And so as a society, we really have to realize unless we put the work in and take individual responsibility, our society is actually doomed. We're not going to be able to sustain ourselves.
0: writing isn't all easy. It's a lot of hard work, actually. A lot of people don't realize that. And one of the things that a lot of writers deal with is writer's block. You want to write, but you sit there and the page just stays blank. You can't make the words come out. Do you deal with that yourself? And if you do, how do you get through that? Wow. Yeah, you've
11: really hit the nail on the head. And my suggestion is to uh, do, first of all, writing is work. So you have to set the clock, get up and then get to a workplace environment and make sure that you've got a place that promotes writing. The next thing to do is do crossover activity, playing the piano, a guitar, jump rope, riding a bicycle. Those are all crossover activities that gets the left brain and the right brain communicating with each other. And so sometimes if you're stuck, then just put the pen down or you know get off the keypad or however you write and just do some push-ups, sit-ups, jumping jacks, do something, ride a bicycle, and sometimes that helps you break through, but you are so right. Writing is work, it is a lot of work.
0: The book is Little Red Hen Goes to Washington by David McDonald, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, iTunes, and everywhere else you shop for books. David, thanks again for being here. It was great chatting with you tonight. Thank you so much. Author Larry T. Harris celebrates his fondness of the holiday season in his new book, Magic of Christmas. Larry's right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Larry, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, Magic of Christmas, I know you're very fond of the holidays and the whole season. Can you tell me about that in the book?
12: Well, the book's basically about a man who loses his job, He takes a job as being a temporary Santa Claus, and he finds it's really a part of himself. It changes his life completely.
0: How did the idea for this book come about?
12: You know, I really, be honest, I wrote the book about 30 years ago. The joy of writing it made it complete for me. Just this year, my sister found the book and read it, and she insisted I get it published. I've always had a real passion for Christmas, As a matter of fact, uh, when I was about 20 years old, I got a job playing Santa Claus in Dallas, Texas, one of the large department stores, and it was one of the greatest experiences of my life.
0: So this is the first time you've written a book or been published at all? Yes, this is the very first time, very first time. Congratulations. That's such a huge milestone. A lot of people say, yeah, someday I'm going to write a book, and very few get around to doing it. So you've done something quite significant here. Can you tell me how it feels now to know you're a published author and maybe what it was like to hold your book, your physical book, in your hands for the first time?
12: It was really satisfying, I guess is the best thing you could say. It's sort of like being a cook. You make a wonderful meal and everybody's eating it. And all you really want to hear are people going, mmm, mmm. And that's how I am as an author. I really don't care about anything except people reading it and going, hmm, that's so good. That's what I want to hear. The feedback is the most important thing to me.
0: What a fantastic attitude to have about writing and just bringing joy to others through your own creativity. So do you plan on keeping writing? Is there anything planned maybe for the future?
12: I've got a couple of ideas brewing. i got them kicking around in my head. I don't know how other people write, but what I do, I get it all in my head, and then I put it on paper. It took me about three days to write the book when I wrote it.
0: So I'm sure you learned a lot in the process of writing this, then going through all the hoops that you got to jump through to get it published. What advice would you offer to people looking to embark on this same journey? Do some research on the process. The process itself
12: was a big, big surprise. I had the idea of somebody getting the book, wanting to publish it, and then helping me finalize everything, which is exactly what happened. But the process itself is a lot different. I didn't realize how each little detail had to be finalized. The type of text, the illustration, everything had to be finalized. It was very
0: interesting. Who did you write this for? Did you have a target audience in mind? It's just like the holiday itself. Christmas is for everybody. And this book,
12: I think, it's funny enough. It's a very funny book. I think the younger kids will really enjoy it. And the message of the book is interesting enough that older people like it as well.
0: The name of the book is Magic of Christmas by Larry T. Harris. It's published by Fulton Books, and you can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for your books. Larry, thanks again for coming on the show here with me tonight. I had a great time talking with you. Well, thank
12: you so much for having me, Corey. I appreciate your time and efforts.
0: We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.